I have no idea if that's right. I would have thought, I would have assumed the Democrats would have checked that out before she gets chosen to run for vice president. But that's a very serious. You're saying that they're saying that she doesn't qualify because she wasn't born in this country. One three and a half billion dollars for something that'll turn out to be fraudulent. They want twenty five billion dollars billion for the post office. Now they need that money in order to have the post office work so it can take all of these millions and millions of ballots. Now in the meantime, they aren't getting there. By the way, those are just two items. But if they don't get those two items, that means you can't have universal mail-in voting because they're not equipped to have it. Hey everybody. Welcome to the Muckrake Podcast. I'm Jared Yates-Saxton. As always, I'm here with Nick Houseman. Uh, before we get going, and by the way, we, we, we got to talk about birtherism 2.0. We have to talk about the President of the United States of America blatantly telling Fox News that he wants to murder the United States Postal Service in order to steal an election. Uh, before we begin that, a little bit of a programming note. Um, Nick and I are really excited about this. Uh, next week is the Democratic National Convention. Uh, snuck up on us. Snuck right up on us. <laughs> And uh, so as part of our ongoing exclusive coverage, um, we are going to be offering the experience of watching the Democratic National Convention's uh, uh, speeches, the the hullabaloo, the pomp and the circumstance. Um, We are going to be covering it as an independent journalistic exercise. We're going to be uh, watching it live. We're going to be reacting to it. We're going to give you analysis and we're going to give you an evening wrap up show that begins on Monday of next week. And that will be exclusive to our Patreon uh, members. Yes, I think they call the VDNC. <laughs> right. It kind of has a nice ring to it. Uh, but yes, exclusive to Patreon members, which, again, it's been incredible how what's going on over there. And I, I want to stress, you can communicate directly with us in a private environment, which has been amazing. I love being able to talk to people there. Uh, and at, at certain levels, we follow you on Twitter, and there's been DMs going back and forth, at least on my end. I don't know about you, Jared. And uh, it, it's been really rewarding and uh, just deeper levels of understanding of what's happening out there. Just to let you know what happens. So uh, when when uh, the, the VP... VP uh, uh, pick was announced. Man, that, that that doesn't come off the tongue very easily. The <laughs> VP pick was announced. Uh, we did a, an emergency muckrake podcast. We intended we Nick and I were talking about it being like a ten minute, you know, maybe fifteen at the most. What did we do? It was like forty five. We did 45 minutes, and, and so it was just a it was just an extra episode of the Muckrake Podcast. But uh, head on over if you're interested in our coverage of the Democratic National Convention. And again, that is four nights next week, where we're going to be going live and going really, really in depth and giving you information that uh, the cable news networks just aren't going to do. You need to go over to Patreon.com/slash Muckrake Podcast. That'll be for uh, patrons only. So there, there's that. Please come and join us. We're really excited about that. I'll tell you what I'm not excited about, though. And here's the segue. I am not excited about the fact that the Republican Party, within days of Kamala Harris being named as the vice presidential nominee of the Democratic Party, uh, we've been reintroduced to birtherism in a really bizarre, twisted way. Um, we're also watching tons of conversations that go back into racial conspiracy theories. We've started talking about uh, whether or not people of color are dangerous. Uh, And and actually, my personal favorite, and I don't know if you saw this, Nick, I don't know if you're on uh, Donald Trump's email list, but I am because I snuck into a bunch of rallies a few years ago. 
<laughs> Trump referred to her, referred to Kamala Harris as the meanest Democrat, which is just so sad and so pathetic. But this birtherism thing is toxic and poisonous and just as bad as it gets. I'm kind of mad because, again, we pride ourselves in predicting what they might do. We, how, we talked about this. We talked about this. Yes, how depraved it might get. And again, I didn't, I didn't see the birtherism coming. We had said misogyny, we had said racism, no problem there. And it, obviously this is racist, but um, I didn't see, you know, you kind of forgot in all the hubbub, hubbub, whatever the word is, that, uh, you know, Kamala Harris, her father is from Jamaica and her mom is from India. And they were students at, I think, Berkeley at the time in the 60s when she was born. So this asshole, John Eastman, you know, some sort of professor of law, oh. comes on who, who had clerked for Clarence Thomas, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that, or he's whatever, uh, comes out and tries, tries to argue that the 14th Amendment, uh, the, the citizenship clause in the Constitution itself, somehow has this notion that without the parents being citizens, she is not a citizen. And it's malarkey. I... I, I... Listen, as we're talking, I, I don't know if you saw this or if our listeners seen this. Um, so the, the Republican Party and the American right are just so infected with just just disgusting, disgusting ideology. Um, so I one of the people who has just gone above and beyond on, on, on this entire thing already is uh, everyone's favorite idiot which is uh, Dinesh D'Souza. And Dinesh D'Souza already today has said, um, you know, some really cool things, some like really, really uh, above board things. This is political analysis at its best. Uh, Dinesh says, Kamala Harris, like Obama, is part black, yet neither is African-American in that they have no connection to American slavery, part Kenyan and part Jamaican or something else entirely. Earlier today, he talked about Kamala Harris's family and how uh, her father had mentioned that part of their lineage was a slaveholder in Jamaica. Well, well, Nick, let's just take a second here. Why would a person of color have somebody in their family who was a slaver? Is it because they were part of the slave class or is it, oh yeah, that's right, we need to talk about this, that there is an entire culture of sexual assault and rape in slave societies. Meanwhile, this is all they want to talk about already. They, they're, they're calling her, oh my God, she's too liberal. She's also too anti-liberal. She's too black. She's not black enough. She's not actually black. I mean, it, it, it is so disgusting already. And we're not even talking about her politics right now. You know what I mean? Like it's all, they've already taken a person of color and completely robbed her of anything approaching political ideology. And she has simply become a, 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 like a, a manifestation of America's racism. That's what's happened already. And we're only a couple of days in. Jared, I guess you didn't get the memo. The memo was that we would never utter Dinesh D'Souza's name on this podcast. Okay, I'm just mortified that we even have to mention his name. He that will not be named. Wait, um, public intellectual Dinesh D'Souza, who just is, he knows what he's talking about, Nick. I mean, he's got his finger on the pulse of history. Yeah, oh my goodness gracious. Uh, 
Now, the, the, just, I wanted to point out one more thing about this John, John Eastman character in the Newsweek article he wrote, the op-ed, of which the New, Newsweek was forced to write an op-ed on their oh. op-ed <laughs> to, to somehow apologize and insist that it's not birtherism. So here's the issue is that and it applies to what you were saying just a second ago, which is he's arguing right now that because Kamala Harris's parents were not uh, citizens when they had her, she, she is not a citizen. But yet in 2016, he argues that Ted Cruz is a citizen, even though he was born in Canada. But the key point he makes in that article from 2016 is that the Constitution clearly says you are a, um, a citizen if you're born on American soil. That is the the, the, the the arbiter of whether or not you're a citizen. So ask yourself, Jared, how does he go from defending this white man who's trying to be you know, representative of Texas uh, as being eligible to be president to now arguing that a black woman is not eligible, even though he's arguing against himself on the same in, in two different articles? It's an interesting question. What is so different about this what, 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 that would make what, what, him reverse yeah, what, his course? What could possibly be different? Um, you know, I when I was doing uh, research to, to write American Rule, like, okay, so we all know that, like, you know, slavery was one of the foundations of this country and white supremacy played into the founding and it completely affected our laws and our customs and our culture. Well, when I was doing research on it, I actually, like, was shocked by the public and political discourse that infected American politics. Like, leading up to World War II. And then all of a sudden something happened where all of a sudden Americans didn't want to talk about racism out in the open anymore. It's it's almost like, oh yeah, we inspired Nazi Germany, but that's neither here nor there. And what you end up finding are all of these debates where these white, wealthy politicians, male politicians, would get up in Congress and they would just be like, oh, you know, maybe maybe we don't want slaves anymore, but these people, they're they're not citizens. Right, they don't. They don't deserve all these rights. They they're not capable of 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 uh, self representative government. Right, and this is one of the reasons, by the way, why we sent you know the military around the world in order to knock off you know democratically elected officials in in countries where you know they were not predominantly white. It's also one of the reasons why the CIA would go in and perform coups and you know psyops in order to knock off democratically elected leaders in, in non-white countries. The entire philosophy of this country has been, oh, yeah, maybe you can live here, but you don't deserve the same rights. Like, do not confuse yourself. You are not an American. Which is actually the speech that a lot of, uh, like, Reconstruction governors, white governors, would give freed slaves. Which would be like, yeah, you're free, but do not mistake that you are equal or that you're actually an American. Like, this is a this is an inconvenience for us that you are free, and we're going to make sure that you're not free and that you're not going to do this. What we're watching is the most virulent strain of American racism imaginable. And again, I just want to put this out there. We're like two days in. We're like two days in, and Trump is cooked in the polls he is in so much trouble the desperation is showing and it's only a matter of time i i can't even imagine the depths that they're going to go to before this thing is over well you know in his last press conference <laughs> the thorazine is really kicking in man i mean he is 
he he, he talk about low energy, sleepy Trump. Like it is, it's kind of like, and every time you hear it, and I know it's anecdotal, but how many people do I have to hear say, you know, I had a relative who went through Alzheimer's. And it was a whole oh, he's not well. Years. He's not well. You know, I don't know. This is exactly I, I, what it looks like. Listen, but I'm not I got, a doctor, it's, it's but he's worse. not well. But here's the thing. It's worse than what you're describing, Jared, as far as how they're attacking Kamala. You know why? It can get worse. Because the other shroud that they're wrapping this whole thing in is, remember, the notion of the other and someone who's not like yeah. of this country. They're trying to wrap it in the notion of the reason why we have this law that you need to be born in America is because we need to be sure of your allegiance. Yep. So yep. they are, yep. with a straight face, trying to pose this notion that because Kamala Harris's father was Jamaican and her mother is Indian, she might have allegiance to those countries. In the same breath, we have a president who is completely not allegiant to America. He is completely <laughs> subservient to Putin. And to hear them say that and use that as an excuse to like, oh, that's why we have to look at this because we got to make sure where her allegiance is. You know, is so much gaslighting, so much horseshit chicanery, and but again, why? Rooted in racism, and it's the evil kind of racism because it's a little bit subversive, where a little bit subconscious, where you can be, it could be, uh, you can put some lipstick on this thing and make it seem like you're not talking about that, and that can, that could get enough people or a lot of people on board. It's just so horrible. So um, we're recording this so everybody knows. Uh, we're recording this on um, Thursday, August 13th. I just want this note because as I'm getting ready to say this, I assume this is happening on Fox News right now. And if it hasn't, it's going to happen on Tucker Carlson tonight. I just want to do on this, okay? One of the things that you're going to end up seeing with this Jamaican thing is they're going to pull the same thing that they pulled with Obama, which is they're going to start, the mask is going to slip even more, right? And they're going to start saying things like, Kamala Harris's anti-colonialism, right? And when you say, this person I believe is anti-colonial, they're not just saying Marxist. They're saying like, this person is anti-Western civilization. And I'll tell you who that gets up in arms. That gets up in arms the people who, maybe they don't think that they're fascist, that they're fascist. Do you know what I mean? And there's like, wait, you're telling me America shouldn't be spreading democracy? <laughs> and listen, I've got those people in my family tree, okay? Like, these are the people who, they watch the Black Lives Matters protest, and all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're not just sharing the, the, the Confederate flag is about heritage, not hate. These are the ones who, right now, at this moment in time, they're like, we demand a white month. You know, it's like the white history month, which is every month, but that's neither here nor there. Like, these are the people who are going to be, like, they're going to start talking about the idea that because she has immigrant parents, that she is antithetically opposed to America in general. And I mean, that's where, and, and listen, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who's really good at writing that stuff. Are you ready? Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller right now is somewhere with his rat ass face, sharpening his knives, and he's figuring out every euphemism that he can imagine to talk about Western civilization and colonialism and the idea that people of color, and by the way, this is the defining characteristic of American white supremacy that we've seen throughout history, which is every person of color must be lorded over by white people, lest they be manipulated by Jewish people, lest they be manipulated by globalist cabals, or they become potentially violent. 
right? Because yeah. if you do not keep them under your iron fist, they are just, I mean, they're, they're like savages. They will just destroy everything, which is what Stephen Miller has fed America and what Fox News has fed people. We're getting ready to watch that. And I'm telling you, the temperature is going to go up and it's going to go up in a crazy amount. Oh, I mean, sorry, but I, I just picture Stephen Miller with a, like a boner trying to write all these these things down. <laughs> oh, God, excitement. no, no, no. That can't happen on this podcast. Nope. We can't say that? We No, you can never, ever make our listeners hear that again. That's it. That's gone. That's, that's, <laughs> okay. that's up I mean, there with Mitch McConnell. We have to prepare people before we talk about Mitch McConnell. We can't talk about Dinesh D'Souza, and we cannot talk about Stephen Miller an arousal. No. All right. I'm sorry. No. All right. Good. Good. Because you know, no. and then we won't talk about Lady G no. either. We'll go. We'll avoid all those. Um, but you know, I could just see him sweaty. Okay. Come on. We'll use another. Oh word. God! In, no, he's making cave. it worse. No. In his cave. You know. I mean, listen. Uh, yes. Uh, it's uh, it's red meat. But you know what's going to happen? Like you said, it's not going to work. And here's the other thing. I think it's sort of disarming to Trump is that you know Kamala Harris is a very attractive woman. And I think that there's these competing, you know, sign uh, images in his head. He can't, he's not going to be able to sort of understand how to deal with this. He's never been able to deal with any strong women as it is. People who are smart who want to challenge him. He, he's been ending his press conferences when these smart ladies are asking him questions, yes. you know, from CBS or whoever they're, uh, is it Reed? Uh, you know, it, it, it's, and it, we've never ever seen this before where he just sort of, he does his, the TH sound like a, uh, like, um, Oh gosh, who's the the bad guy in the Harry Potter movies? Um, my wife's gonna kill me. Voldemort, and he's like, you know, does that noise at her and then leaves. Um, so this is probably why they picked her, obviously, right? Because she is really good at that, and she's gonna be good at being able to handle this. And here's the best part about it: we're not talking about Biden right now. Isn't that the best part about this whole thing? Well, I uh, okay, so. I want to lay my cards on the table um, and, and, and just to bring everybody around on this. So I spent I spent years covering like, you know, campaign rallies and campaign moves and basically engaging in basic punditry. You know what I mean? Like, basically. well, I really enjoyed the third paragraph of that speech. I really think that that is an effective play towards suburban moms who happen to enjoy ketchup over mayonnaise. Which I, 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 I think is so gross. Right. And, and actually, I think one of the things that we've seen already, I don't know how you felt about it. It was actually really kind of not inspiring, but it was actually like a huge relief to hear like Biden and Harris give a speech that wasn't necessarily like rah, 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 you know, political campaign. But it was like, hey, just so you guys know, like we're interested in running a government that actually works. You know what I mean? Like like a real, almost a pedantic thing. And like we, we've always seen these speeches that are like, America is great and it will always be great and we'll go back to the moon and, you know, you'll have a ham in your oven or whatever. And I'm so glad that at this point, like, I'm, I'm sorry, Joe Biden isn't like going to moonwalk up to take the nomination. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to like go up with lasers and, and we're the champions like Trump did or whatever in the hell it was he walked out to. It's nice to have a sobering moment where we're not talking about... And by the way, notice that we're talking about what's happening around this ticket. We're not talking about like the cult of personality that like you always try and start up around a presidential ticket. Like We're talking about reactionary 
toxicity, right? Which is what we're going to be looking at when we have actually two people who are like, hey, we're interested in maybe trying to run a government. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's the best possible thing that could have happened at this point to uh, the opposition, sure. for sure. A, a couple things, like first of all, it, it's been, it was remarkable, the feeling, just to sort of have a sense of, you know, and it's not euphoria, but like just, it's not, it was glad. I was glad to finally hear some good news, right? He picked the VP. She's a great candidate. They're going to go out there and discuss these things. And it was like just to break the, the cycle that we've been stuck in for all this time because of the absence of, you know, this is now finally we're picking up with the, uh, with the campaign. Like it's really going to be on. And they also seem to demonstrate the notion that you have to keep the subject on Trump. Right, you have to keep the focus on what he is doing so poorly, and it seems like because you know in the past there would have been the whole thing where they would have ignored Trump and would have just talked about how they're going to lift us up and we're going to get back on track and all these things. By the way, ironically, it's what Trump has been saying, but um, I think in this context, the eye of the prize has to be you have to continually remind everybody where we are, how bad it is, and who is responsible. And it seems like they've got that under, they understand that. And that would be, the, in my play, the, my opinion, the winning ticket here to keep that on. If they start to get into other stuff and other kind of policy stuff, which people start eyes glazed, getting glazed over, uh, that's when they lose part of the audience. So I think it's really important. And it seems like, you know, from what Kamala's been saying the last couple of days, it's been pretty clear she knows how to do it and she knows how to retort to, uh, you know, respond properly and keep the pressure on them. I, I'm, I'm with you. I want to. I want to warn listeners because we get, we have, we have internalized presidential politics and like, you know, it's, it's like one of those things where like, if you watch one of your favorite shows, you know, and you just put on a, a rerun, you don't even need to pay that close of attention. You feel it. You yeah. feel what it's, you feel the beats. You understand where the next joke is coming and maybe even where the characters are moving. We've internalized presidential politics so much that we kind of lose track of the fact that like it has a rhythm and a sway to it. And and one of the worst parts about all of this is how the mainstream media treats all of this stuff. And we have to remember, we have to remember, this is a for-profit enterprise. These people need a presidential campaign with ups and downs and twists and turns and lead changes. And, and right now, Biden just announced his VP pick. That is the sexiest story that they can possibly have, right? Oh, this is a competitor, and oh, this is a new vision for America. And by the way, so next week we're going to have the Democratic National Convention, and they're going to have the spotlight for a while, right? And mm -hmm. we're going to talk about what their vision is and what it's going to do. And again, we're going to be hanging out all next week watching this stuff, so subscribe on Patreon so you can hang out with us too. But you need to remember something, which is that the media needs momentum changes, right? And I have to tell you, the question that America has to have at this point is, should it be this bad, right? Should the pandemic be this bad? Should the economic crisis be this bad? Should you feel this bad, right? These are things that we have to keep in mind and we have to remember, and, and you're gonna feel bad and all of a sudden you're gonna see like, oh, I think there's trump mentum or something like that, right? And they're gonna try and sell that or whatever. You need to remember that this is a situation where we have a dysfunctional, narcissistic, dangerous authoritarian in power, 
and he needs to be got, gotten rid of. You have to, to you, you cannot take your eye off that ball and you cannot worry about what the media paints it and how the narrative moves and all this stuff because we haven't been paying attention to it because of the pandemic, but I'm telling you, they're not going to miss out on those ratings and the advertisement dollars that they'll get from them. Yeah, I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna bum anybody out, but um, this race is, you know, the, the ultimate race, the, the presidential campaign, is going to be as close as it was in 2016, or within a couple points of that. I really think it will. And I think part of the reason is because they're going to pull something at the very end, like all of a sudden they come up with a vaccine. Even though the vaccine really isn't developed, they're going to pretend that it is and roll it out and say, like, here, we've developed it, but, like, you're not going to get it for eight months. You know what I mean? Something like that. But that's, they're going to bury that one, right? Um, that's I, bleak. I, that's what? bleak, Nick. That's and really bleak. bleak. If people but, call me an alarmist, that's bleak. You know, and and I just and I remember getting into an argument at some point with somebody in you know after the election in 2016 about how like there seemed to be evidence, and and the person was arguing that there wasn't any evidence. But when you're doing these polls and the people are simply not going to tell you they're voting for Trump, I think it's a real thing, right? I think that that's even in, especially in this time, and you still have enough people who want to support this guy because of the two things that you know the two issues they have. And so um, it's just hard to really get that feeling. And so as a result, the key here is going to be, can they get people up, up beyond the polls to get out and vote? Can they stop black people from being disenfranchised in places like Milwaukee? And if we can do that, great. But, you know, we, we, we'll talk about this now, I guess, as far as what they're doing at the post office. But th it's so systematic what they're going to do. They're now trying to pass laws that can only have one uh, of those receptacles where you can drop off your vote per county. Like in Pennsylvania, you might have a million people in a, in a county, and they have one drop-off location uh, for, for, all, for all these ballots. It's insane, and it really is the, the type of authoritarianism that we never thought we'd live in. And I would only hope that when you present the facts of how they've been systematically de uh, destroying uh, our voting system... Uh, over the last 10 years, you'd only hope that if you laid out those facts clearly that a lot of the Republicans who want to continue to support these, uh, these candidates would realize and maybe switch. But, you know, that, that message is not getting out clearly either. Can I, have, um, can I have a moment of personal gratification? Is that okay? Like, it's remember, our podcast. Remember, the, your camera is on at the moment. <laughs> a moment of personal gratification. I have been warning about Donald Trump since 2015. And I have taken a lot of flack for what I've said that Donald Trump would try and do and, and the, the links that he would go to to consolidate power and maintain power. Uh, inevitably, every single time, what happens is he then does it and, and the people who call me an alarmist start reporting on it like, who could have ever have talked to, who, who could have ever have seen this happen? I will tell you that one of the things that is really disturbing is when that happens because Donald Trump says aloud what he's planning on doing. And at this point in the podcast, you have heard, of course, his comments today on Fox and Friends in which he says, I'm trying to destroy the United States Postal Service so I can ensure that people aren't going to be voting by mail. He's not hiding it, right? And by the way, that's the thing he's willing to tell us about in public that he's doing which is killing the United States Postal Service, which is one of the trademarks of a shared society. It's one of the bedrocks of a civilization. If, if you watch a dystopian movie, we're not gonna watch The Postman for a bonus episode, right? But if you watch a dystopian movie, what is the, one of the first things they try and bring back after the apocalypse? It's <laughs> some way to get messages and to connect 
cities and tribes and people, right? He's trying to kill it in order to keep people from voting. I'm telling you that this isn't where he's going to stop, but you need to understand, and by the way, like for people who are like, oh my God, this is sheer terror. We now have to save the postal service. Absolutely. This is what authoritarians do. It's what despots do. It's like watching a movie and like the guy's getting away and he keeps knocking down trash cans and you gotta jump over the trash can and there's another trash can and then he throws like something at you and you have to move around it. That's what they do. And the more desperate that he becomes, the more democratic institutions and norms will be not just endangered, but possibly destroyed. And they're not even gonna hide it. They're being honest and open about what they're planning on doing. We used to talk, I know we've mentioned this in the last, you know, at some point, uh, how uh, frustrating it is when you have people like in business who want to come in and try and pretend like they're going to run the government as a business. And this is their, and people like get rallied behind that because you hear about the government waste and all this different stuff. It's the dumbest shit. Things. The post office is not a business. It <laughs> never has been a business, right? It is a necessary uh, component of our constitution, of our, of our society, right? Like you just described. So it, it would never be the kind of thing where you're going to try and run it where it's going to make money. The whole point is that stamps are cheap and it is reliable. Yep. And you can get your medications that way so you don't die. So if you're a veteran who needs your medications and they need to get refilled, you need it within a month, you, know, you don't die because you get them in do the you, mail and do it's you, cheap. Do you, know, do, you know that, um, do you know that the United States Postal Service is one of the biggest employers of veterans and disabled veterans? I know this. Yeah, isn't that weird? We we love them when they go fight for us, but man, we're just trying to kill who employs them in order to rig elections. Isn't that weird? Oh yeah, I mean, almost as weird as weird? Trump continually lying that he invented Veterans Choice as if he's for the veterans. Um, you know, so we have to understand that the, the post office is the thing that's going to need to be subsidized by the government in, in in forever, and that's how it needs to be. What, what, why is that even a debate? Why is right. that even something to debate? Because, because you know, the Republicans. Because right. the Republican Party did this. Now, they don't give a shit about whether it makes money or not. This is not the whole. This is, no. again, this is like the allegiance, you know, question with Kamala Harris and her parents. And they can, they can put a sheen on it. This is all about, obviously, repressing the vote in the mail. We already hear uh, reporting in Iowa that they were moving sorting machines, which I'm no post office worker, but do you think that a sorting machine would be important to getting mail out to the people in their houses? Would that be safe? It to seems. Say? It seems. It seems like it would be. Yeah. Now, do you also think that you know, if mail starts to pile up, there's probably like there's not. And by the way, they've been in business. And I hate to use the word business, but they've been operating for what a couple hundred years. Uh, it seems to me. If do you know who the first postmaster up, general like, you know, their was? Goal is to get these things out timely. Uh, you might need to you know work a little uh, overtime. Sure. You know, and they're eliminating overtime now. So if you're wondering, oh, they're not really doing anything, they're making it more efficient, they're eliminating overtime, they're getting rid of sorting machines, they are, they we're already now seeing, this has been for about a month now, uh, lots of reports across the country of completely delayed uh, shipments from the post office. It's like, it's clear. And, and, then, and then now Trump says the thing out loud. And, every, and by the way, that whole thing about, oh, we saying the, the quiet part out loud, it's frustrating. I like that phrase. I like to use it. I can't because everyone's using it now for him. He keeps doing it over and over again. It's now like so cliche. You can't even use that, that phrase anymore. We got to come up with something funnier. Uh, but uh, he literally is now saying that. He, he's going to destroy the post office so they can't do the universal mail-in voting because they don't have enough people, they don't have enough resources, and the ballots won't get there forever. Real fast, I want to I I ask that trivia question again. Nick, do you know who the first postmaster general of the United States of America was? 
Oh, is it like the is it like Ben Franklin? It's Ben freaking Franklin. Oh, I was right. All right. Benjamin Franklin, one of the most revered founding fathers who was considered a grassroots philosopher, decided that the postmaster generalship was worthy of his talents and focus and intellect. That's how important the idea of a postal service is. And you're exactly right. It's not just about communication. It's not about, you know, connecting towns or whatever. It's about having a functioning open society. It's about, and, and I'm sorry, it's about getting medication. It's about, you know, getting your bills on time. It's about getting your goods and services on time. And I have to tell you, so uh, real fast, I, I actually really like my, my, my postal carrier. He works like a dog. He works like a dog because of that overtime thing. He has to run around. He has to do everything as quickly as humanly possible. And they're being treated. And by the way, that used to be a good gig. You know what I mean? To be a, a, a postman or a postwoman, that used to be an amazing gig. And they have just treated them like dogs. And they have treated them, again, like they treat everybody else, uh, first responders, uh, healthcare people, teachers. teachers. They, they, they treat them like dogs. And the reason is because they don't give a shit about society. They don't give a shit about an open society. They don't give a shit about a working country. They care about what they can bleed. They care about what they can profit off of. They care how they can consolidate power. The new postmaster general, I, I and listen, I'm getting hot about this. I never thought I would get hot about the post service, the post office, but I am. They, they installed a new postmaster general who is actively dismantling the post office. Who is and, and that's the same thing with everybody that Trump appoints to any position of power. Is that the only thing, if, if they'll come in the door and he's like, are you corrupt? They're like, oh, absolutely, I'm corrupt. Number two, do you think this should exist? And they're like, no. And they're like, you're hired. Go to work, right? Oh, can you keep a secret? Will you leak to the press? Probably. We'll go on. You can do it. And that's all it is. This guy went in for a seek and destroy mission to just completely sabotage the United States Postal Service. And again, like, listen, I've been one of the most vocal critics and I've been called an alarmist about what I say about Trump. I'm shocked. I'm shocked by how blatant this is. And the fact that we're talking about the United States Postal Service and the President of the United States is talking about actively doing it on purpose and letting everyone know that he's doing it to, to disenfranchise Americans. It's unbelievable. We, we finally, finally in the last like day or two heard some reports about Congress wanting to do investigation into this to find out what's going on. Um, is, do you think this is going to have any influence or any effect on anything? Oh, God. I, have to I, I don't know. I have to tell you, probably not. Right? I mean, and, and by the way, how bullshit is that? It's, it's, so we've talked about this on the podcast before. Like, Putinist Russia is based on the idea that you don't have to always oppress people. You just have to oppress them enough and, like, show them enough that your corruption will not be kept in check for people to just suddenly become apathetic and be like, what the hell are we supposed to do? No, I don't. I, I You know, they've drug in Bill Barr, who, you know, shredded the Constitution, and that dude got out of there and went on Mark Levin and was like, we are fighting a religious war. And everyone's like, well, I mean, what are you going to do? He's the Attorney General of the United States of America. It doesn't matter what's happening here. It it has to be grassroots. It has to be grassroots. And I don't know if that means going out and buying more stamps. I don't know if that means protesting. I mean, it certainly seems that way, right? It seems like the only way that we're going to get a free and fair election is if we have mass action. I mean, that's how close I am. I, I really think we're about ready to call for mass action. I, yeah. I, think, that's, I think that's what we're looking at. Hence why I'm saying this election is going to be as close 
as it was, or or or, or you know, listen, I, I don't want I want to hedge my bets here, so I'm not completely wrong if it doesn't happen that way. But uh, again, uh, like I mentioned, people are in those polls are not being truthful, and they're going to be successful with this with the the voting thing. But again, I, just to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. It's pretty clear to me that what the, what they're going to ultimately do is they're going to lose. Trump is going to lose the election, and they're going to simply try and um, contest it. That's going to be their play. And you know, even if it's not that close, by the way, they might try and contest it on the grounds of like care. you know illegal ballots in the mail or whatever. Yeah, they right. Don't care. What? Yeah, they don't care. They don't care. Right. They, they they have no idea. They no, it, it can be a landslide. It can be a Reagan Mondale landslide. It won't. Right. Matter. So that's that's where the mobilization ends up coming. And I would I would shudder to think what America would look like when if and when that happens in December and in January if they're going to try and draw this out. Let's just say Biden wins by three points, you know, and gets the two seventy, no problem. Um, you know, I. I I would feel it's my patriotic duty to get out there in March, even though I'd be really scared as hell, you know, about violence. And I'm, I'm talking about the kind of violence where people are dying. Um, but I, I don't know what else would matter. But I, I have to imagine if I don't go out there, there's going to be millions that will. And it'll be it'll make 68 in Chicago look like, uh, you know, Disneyland. A walk in the park. Um, well, I'll just say this and, and I'll give another plug here for uh, our coverage at the convention. When we're done recording today, I'm going to drive to the liquor store and buy a bottle of bourbon that I will finish off by the end of the Democratic National Convention. Um, I will probably finish off a bottle of bourbon the night of the election. What are you kidding? Right? This I mean, be like leaving Las Vegas like you and you know, <laughs> the For anybody who has ever watched my bourbon talks on Sunday nights at 8 p.m., like that's the situation we're looking at in, in, in this. Like... What you just described, I have to tell you, and again, I, 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 I take no joy in this. Like, I've seen all this stuff take place, and I've, I've seen it coming, and I've predicted it because it's logical. We're not talking about tinfoil hat bullshit here. We're talking about where, and, and again, we talked about this, what, a couple of weeks ago. It was like, they did that War Games. And it was like very sober, like run-of-the-mill bureaucrats and military people war-gamed it. And every time it ends up in like blood in the streets or constitutional crisis. Um, I'm with you. you. One of the things, and this is terrible. This is a situation where you do have to be in the streets. If, 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 if this piece of shit tries to steal the election, and I, I have no reason to believe he wouldn't. Um, you have to be ready to be in the streets. And you're right. There will be violence around this country. There's no way around that. But you also, I mean, I'm sorry, but if, 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 if fighting for your democratic rights and a future without an authoritarian dictator, I think that's one of the ways, one of the reasons to like lay it on the line, right? I mean, like not to get too big and, and bleak and grandiose, but that to me is a worthy cause to get in the streets and, yeah. and, and to, to, you know, Pledge, pledge your fortunes. Okay, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I have more anger at myself and maybe you, because we also failed. Yeah, we failed to predict something else. We got to talk about Yeezy. How did oh. we not see Kanye West coming? Now, if you're wondering if they're trying to manipulate the, the election, this is talking about spaghetti on the wall, right? Because we've always heard about third-party candidates and how they torpedo. Like Clinton won because of, um, of uh, Ross Perot got in the race and took all the votes from HW, uh, even though apparently it really wasn't the case. But nonetheless, um, so here's, I mean, but here's how desperate they are because they probably couldn't get anybody else to do it. But we now have reports that Jared... And Kanye had been meeting. Wait, wait, yeah, wait, time out. Don't don't make it sound like I did it. 
I know, but I, I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm trying why to rehabilitate you come up? Why the name we, Jared. Why didn't we predict this? I yeah. we so saw him in the, the White thing. House. He was there last year. We did. I okay. I'll, uh, in my defense, in my defense, and and I mean this. I'm I, soberly. I mean this. I thought that Kanye was so unwell that he could not have played a role in a plan. Do you know what I mean? Like he right. was just when, when he was obviously having a mental health episode and was just so off the wall. I was like, there's no way there could be any sort of a plan. Meanwhile. Jared Kushner, who what, what's his official role at this point? I mean, he's doing everything but cleaning the toilets in the White House, right? I mean, he's in charge of peace. He's in charge of the coronavirus. Well, if you want me to talk about Stephen Miller's hard-ons, I can't tell you what I think. <laughs> oh, God, you can't do that. Jared Kushner is in charge of literally everything in the White House. Has been speaking with Kanye West multiple times about a candidacy that could possibly draw votes away from Joe Biden. It's not going to work. Let's just put that out there. It's not going to work. But I, I, I and by the way, real fast, this is a thing that people need to hear. And if you're not aware of it, this is historical context. This isn't just me working blue and throwing obscenities out there. So if you have a kid, earmuffs, all that stuff, there's a term for this. It's called rat fucking. And rat fucking is an idea that goes back to the Nixon administration and all the people around him. And by the way, one of the best rat fuckers, Roger Stone. And what it is, is it's a bunch of dark political operatives who just, they try the most underhanded stuff you could ever imagine. And they just try a bunch of stuff. I mean, you know, it's everything from stealing things, starting rumors. Oh, I don't know, going to South Carolina and planting the idea that John McCain has an illegitimate black child. You know, the, the, the really disgusting parts of, of the political process. They're trying everything. Like Kanye West isn't going to cost Joe Biden the election. But the fact that they went to Kanye West and took advantage of his mental illness. And by the way, um, his marriage might be in trouble, his career might be in trouble, his personal health and safety might be in trouble. And these jackals were in the White House being like, this is a great idea, this is gold, keep doing it. Like that right there is who we're dealing with. And if you think, by the way, they're, I can't believe we're talking about this. They're trying to kill the post office. They're using Kanye West as like a secret undermining, sabotaging candidate. If you think that those are the only two things they're doing, like this is the kind of people who are trying to like kill Fidel Castro with like explosive underwear. Like they're <laughs> just trying everything. Yes. And you know, uh, oh, even, uh, my mind is, is connecting some dots here because, you know, the Republicans are suing a tiny little um, news, uh, uh, sorry, the tiny little, not news, uh, TV station in Wisconsin for airing an ad that was negative against Trump. And it's, it's just blatant, you know, intimidation, right? But the funny thing is, is that the lawyer, if I'm not mistaken, the lawyer on, on that case who's representing the Republicans is the one who turned in the, the paperwork for Kanye in Madison in Wisconsin to get him on the ballot. So, you know, and then plus you have Jared and him talking all the time. There actually is some notion of illegality here because if Kanye um, is doing this in conjunction with them, then it's actually an in-kind donation to the Trump uh, uh, campaign. It clearly would be worth more than $2,600, which is the limit. But again, nobody gives a shit. And by the way, you're telling people to put on earmuffs about using the term rat fucking. I'm talking about... <laughs> Fucking Stephen Miller and, and what Jared Kushner must be doing to Donald Trump. It, no, I know, I I know. I'm I'm watching out for America's use. Yeah, is what I'm well, doing. You know, I'm really. I, I'm not I'm clearly. Um, uh, I just. But I, 
Nobody gives a shit to... about electoral uh, FEC violations. That's no. the other big thing. And that and, and like why shouldn't? And by the way, here's the thing: no one gives a shit about it. But it really feels like over the last 200 years, like for the most part, it seems like the candidates sort of honored the rules. I mean, to some degree, I don't know. I will say, like, there are instances, I mean, listen, people who try and tell you that American history was spotless up until 2016, like, that's not true. Like, there have been all kinds of weird things. Uh, again, I and I found this stuff, like, writing American Rule, it's like, Rutherford B. Hayes' group, like, used Western Union to, like, steal communiques from his opponent. Like, it was like the first Fox News, you know, with him and the Associated Press, and there's so much grossness that's taking place in electoral politics. But do you know what? Those people at least had the good, um, like the good faith to at least lie about it and cover it up. You know what I mean? It, what happens, and we talk about this all the time, it's like you set a precedent and you start eroding things. Like if you just blatantly break the law and you were just blatantly corrupt, it inspires more, you know, breaking of the law and more corruption. Like you're exactly right. These, these, these rules, these FEC regulations, they're done. They're absolutely done. And what people need to understand is like right now, I mean, it's already come out that, you know, Russia is already interfering in this election. I want people to think about this. If a Democratic nominee is oh, going to Oh, we're talking about China. Talking about India, uh, Iran. Uh, they're all interfering. China. At some point, if this continues, like let's say that Donald Trump wins the election, which by the way, if you've paid attention to some Democratic senators, it sounds like there's information that is going through intelligence right now that I, I, I think would make your long hairs turn curly because there is some there's some stuff that, that's floating around in the ether right now about election interference. If we get to the point where a, a foreign election interference is just the norm, like, can you imagine? It'll, it, it'll be like NASCAR, except for like Sitco. You know, it's like your Democratic nominee sponsored by the People's Republic of Venezuela. Right. Well, it's, it's, it's globalism, Jared. That's what it is. Yeah, that's globalism is what that is. That's not, exact, but you're not wrong. And, and that's part of the corrosion is that like we're getting to a point where nation states are losing any sovereignty and corruption fills the vacuum. I mean, that's what's happening. Do you ever think, by the way, that the writer, uh, uh, the TV writer uh, on the Brady Bunch who wrote the, the episode about uh, um, Marsha and Jan and uh, uh, Jan being really upset about all the, being the middle child? Do you ever think that he'd ever imagined that, you know, 50 years later, uh, the President of the United States would be invoking that Marsha, Marsha, Marsha with Russia, Russia, Russia? I got into a discussion. Isn't it clear that that's what he's referencing, by the way? Russia, 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 it's just Marsha, Marsha, Marsha? Or am I, am I completely extrapolating that for something else? Just to take I, it on a turn know, here. I think sometimes about... I, I I spend way too much time trying to picture Donald Trump's brain and trying to come up with like the perfect sort of metaphor or image for it. I think about like a bingo ball, like a like a like the thing that you roll the bingo balls in. <laughs> okay. Except for it hasn't been used in a very long time, so and it was crazy. like stored in like a leaky basement, so it's kind of rusty. And like you turn it and you turn it and you turn it, and all of a sudden in a press conference he's talking about Kathy Ireland. And you're like, what? What? How the, how the hell? It's like those those balls haven't been replaced in a long time. And so like you're like, Mr. President, what do you think about the threats from North Korea? And he's like, Robin Leach, very classy, great host. He should host the Oscars this year. And you're like, what the hell just happened? I don't think 
that he has any control over what pops up. And yeah, it might have been some sort of strange Brady Bunch thing that came up, but I don't even think he would be able to understand it because that wheel, man, that wheel is is rusty. It's bad. Wow. For some context, because we are all about deep context on the show, I had posters of uh, Kathy Ireland on my wall in high school, in case anyone, she's a Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit model uh, with amazing eyes. So, um, and that's Kathy not Ireland a Kathy Ireland went rogue. I have a very, very, very distinct memory of Kathy Ireland going on uh, Huckabee. What, what, um, what's his first name? The old governor, presidential yeah, candidate. Um, Huckabee, Mike Huckabee. Mike. He went on Huckabee's old show, which, by the way, for those of you who don't remember Huckabee on Fox News, it was a gem. And it included things like him playing Jesse's Girl with Rick Springfield and Rick Springfield just looking like a wax statue that had caught fire. Like, it was terrible. Kathy Ireland went on there, and let me tell you, Kathy Ireland was not well and was just hawking a lot of right-wing nonsense. So that's how I now remember Kathy Ireland. You know what's kind of... Let's go... We have a couple minutes left. I got a weird tangent because it hit me the other day. So if you ever do a deep dive on Pat Buchanan... Which, you know, you know, Huckabee, Pat Buchanan. Speaking like, of right? rusty bingo wheels. Yes, this, this that's my great. brain yes. as well. You, you described my it. brain. You're, you know, gaslighting me. Um, Pat Buchanan is a sickening, disgusting human being. And if you one watch, of the worst. One you know, of the and worst. And I'm reading a really good book right now, and we'll probably talk about it a little bit, about uh, the history of sort of, you know, Republican uh, politics and what it really means. But Pat Buchanan comes, comes up, and you realize how disgustingly horrible this person was. But he was also the, 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 the right-winger on um, the McLaughlin Group for all those years, yep. right? Yep. And I used to love watching the McLaughlin Group. And, you know, it was, I always would appreciate because he would give you, you know, he was good on that show, right? He would give you whatever. And I'm now, reflecting back on it now and everything we've dealt with the last several years even, it just it makes me feel like the whole experience now is completely different. You know what I mean? Yep. It's weird how, like, if I, I know if I were to watch it again, I would be throwing shit at the TV and thinking he's, just, he, he's a horrible person. You know, it's, it's interesting. Can we, can we just put this in the podcast that this podcast has radicalized you, Nick Houseman? And you now, you now are looking back on the past history of America and realizing, like, all the gross stuff. Like, I, when I was doing, again, research on American rule, I was, like, going through all these old videos of, like, broadcast and stuff. And one of the things, and not to give too much away about a chapter, is I watched this video of ABC covering the opening of Disney World, or Disneyland, right? And one of the hosts was Ronald Reagan, which was weird. But also, like in Epcot, they were like, they went up to like this scientist and they're like, tell us about nuclear energy. And the scientist started speaking. And I was like, that's an interesting accent that that man has. I'm going to look this man up. And it was like Walt Disney's personal science expert. It was a former Nazi. It was a guy that came over in Operation Paperclip. And what you end up finding is beneath the veneer of normalcy are monsters. Pat Buchanan was one of the most disgusting white nationalists. And the fact that he was treated like that by by that show and around Washington, of course, he worked for Richard Nixon. Yep. He inspired so much of what's happened in America. I mean, he gave George H.W. Bush a run for his money. And the Republican Party was like, well, Buchanan's pretty gross, but I guess we need some of that. And so they, they just started... You know, going a little bit further towards white nationalism and a little bit further and a little bit further. And what you find when you look at this stuff is it's everyone from Buchanan to Roger Stone. And again, a lot of this disease we're talking about is the Nixon administration. 
It's these people who operated in criminal ways with impunity and they never actually faced consequences. It's going back to the idea. You break laws, you break norms, you don't suffer consequences, other people break laws, break norms, and it just perpetuates. And Pat Buchanan's one of them. He was he was on CNN's crossfire for forever. Like, they, they would bring him on. And yeah, just go look at the Republican, go look at the uh, Florida presidential race in 2000 that when he ran in, yep. if you want evidence of uh, why Gore should have won, and, and how many of these, you know, these liberal Jews voted for Pat Buchanan um, on that ballot well, that they did purposely, you know, uh, obfuscated it, so... Uh, well, yes. and, and by the way, just on, on that note, and, and listen, this is one of the reasons why we're talking about being in the streets and mass action and why we do this podcast in the first place. And I need people to hear this. And I know that right now is a really stressful moment. And I know that there's um, the pandemic is just awful and it, it, it's debilitating and it's traumatic. People need to hear this. Donald Trump is a symptom. He's not the disease. It does not end with Donald Trump. If Donald Trump wins a second term, if he somehow or another, you know, finagles his way as an authoritarian to a third or fourth or whatever he does, if he hands it over to Ivanka or Donald Trump Jr. or opens the way for a Tom Cotton or Mike Pence or whatever, this stuff gets worse. If you don't strangle this in the crib, it can get a lot worse. And it's all about what you're talking about with the fact that Pat Buchanan was a part of the establishment and just drove it further and further. This stuff can get worse. All right, we've, we've, we've achieved another a new level if uh, by hearing the phrase, if we don't strangle this in the crib. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that might be the title of this, of this podcast, actually. What do, you, what do you think? Hey, it's, hey listen, it, it brings it all around because, I mean, like the, the virulent racism of the attacks we're already seeing on top of the threats of killing the post office. Like, imagine more of this. Like, yeah. really, imagine more of this. Like, if you need a reason to get in the streets, like, imagine not just him getting real, not not just him serving another term, but stealing it. Do you know what I mean? And, like, mm-hmm. then it's just the flood. The floodgates are open. Like, right. it, it can be worse. It really can. But, but then, you have, so you have the scales where it gets worse, but then the apathy also rises at the yep. same time. Yep. And then exactly. that, that's the mix you got to really be careful with because... Well, you brought up hearings. What if, I mean, if we keep having hearings that have no consequence... You stop having hearings, right? You know what I mean. Like, if you don't expect them to do anything, why would you hold them? So well, you're describing, but you're describing Benghazi hearings, right? There was never any intention of any consequences for that, right? right. They simply were there to do what they did, which is which is the, what, basically right. those Benghazi hearings were to make were successful because they made Hillary couldn't lose, right? Like, you can right. almost point directly to that. That smeared her, and that was their whole goal. They knew she was going to run. They, they said that. Drag her. They said that out loud. Yes. They said that out loud. Right. And they and they grabbed in like at least ten of these of these hearings and they kept going over and then that, that led to the emails. That that's these are the direct correlations here. So you have one party that simply wants to use this politically as as you know, whatever, and then you have the, the Democrats who want to stomp their feet and gnash their, gnash their, gnash their teeth, um, but then don't really get anywhere. Here, look at it this way. I know we're going long, but like Iran Contra, President Reagan H.W. Bush got off without even a slap on the wrist when it was a, a Democratic-controlled Congress, and I think a Senate. You know, I gotta go check that now. They started a drug epidemic in America to fund God knows who. 
Right. God knows who. That's what they did. But and they didn't even they didn't even really get that much of a slap of a wrist on it. They just got away with it. So what kind of good old boy network do we have back then with Tip O'Neill that like they weren't even gonna take them to task for like what would have been a bigger thing than Watergate? And with, again, what we're pointing out here is what they didn't realize was that by not controlling that, by not killing that baby in the cradle, yes. we're here. Right? Well, if they were to and by the way, you can draw then we wouldn't have had we wouldn't have bar. You can draw, oh God, that's another thing to talk about. You can draw a direct line from Iran-Contra to the murder and dismemberment of Jamal Khashoggi, right? Like, and, and here's the thing, I, w- I wanna make people think about this. None of this stuff happens in a vacuum. It doesn't just occur, and everyone's like, why is nobody up in arms about this? Why are we not in the streets? Trump's, Trump came out and he's like, well, Saudi Arabia gives us ton of, tons of money, so we're not gonna do anything. And everyone's like, oh my God, how could he possibly say that? And it's like, no, America has been pulling this bullshit for decades. They have been playing these mercenary games. They've been playing fast and loose with uh, morality and ethics time and time again. And eventually you get to a point where it's just like, yeah, an American citizen been murdered and dismembered. What do you want me to do about it? we got to sell weapons. And it's just like, well, how does that happen? Well, you have to look back at all this stuff. And here's the thing. We're at another juncture point. You either get rid of it or it continues and it gets worse. All right, so on that note, again, we, we really want you to come hang out with us next week. Um, I don't know how Nick feels about it. I kind of love conventions. Like, I understand this isn't a normal one. They're so absurd, and it's so interesting to watch the messaging, the the way that it's presented. And, and again, there's not going to be, like, pageantry or whatever. We're going to watch what hopefully is a once-in-a-lifetime thing right which is the national conventions have to take place in isolation because of a pandemic uh i i'm really excited about it i'm really excited about us launching this coverage i think this is one of the things that that nick and i wanted to do when we started this podcast we're so excited about it we need you to go sign up on patreon so you can join us as well we're going to do it at monday tuesday wednesday thursday the whole way through we're going to give you coverage historical context that other people won't give you that the networks won't because they're going to get on and they're just going to basically be sports analysis that's all they're going to do they don't really give you anything approaching historical uh context or nuance so Please go ahead and sign up. That is at patreon.com slash muckrake podcast. We're going to do that Monday. So if, if you sign up, you'll get the link. You'll know where to go, how to hang out with us all of those days. Um, you need to do that this weekend so you're ready for it on Monday. Again, that is patreon.com slash muckrake podcast. Uh, hopefully we don't need to do an emergency podcast this weekend. I don't know. Maybe he'll take out the park service. Uh, sure. You know, may, who knows? Who knows what this person can do? Space Force. <laughs> Something will happen with that. Wouldn't that be amazing if he started Space Force to kill Space Force? Wouldn't that be be amazing if Trump somehow or another, somebody put the the idea in his mind that Space Force was going to help steal the election? Yeah. Or they were, they were going to attack us. We got to take them out. And by the way, oh. just really quickly, you know, unless you think I was radicalized by this podcast, I'm a guy who like still wants to question whether or not the lunar landing happened, and that was way before we started recording these. So let's make sure where you know where I came from. Hey, save that for the bonus content. We'll get into the moon landing one day. Uh, But if you need us until next time, you can find Nick at Can You Hear Me SMH. You can find me at JY Sexton. Until next time, everyone, stay safe.